one we are live for a new episode of the electric podcast i am fred lambert your host and as usual i'm joined by set winchow how are you doing this week set i'm good all right uh this week this episode of the electric podcast is sponsored by tesla shields get 10 percent off of tesla floor mats trunk and front kits and other Tesla accessories with the code electric use electric at checkout for 10 percent off we're gonna have a little bit more to say about them later on the show uh since uh, Seth has been testing one of their products. But let's jump into the news. Uh, we're going to start with, well, not a really news item, though it was uh, kind of dominating the news cycle this week for electric vehicles because everyone was coming out with their first dry review. But last week, Seth, uh, you went to good old Texas. Everything is bigger in Texas. Yep. To test out the Ford and 150 Lightning. And your conclusion, and this is, this is a big... Like a it's, big thing, I assume, right? It's big in various ways. Yeah. Everything's bigger in Texas, as you mentioned. Mm. This is a very big vehicle. And part of me, like, uh, you know, like I like walkable cities. I like mm. things like that. This is the opposite of that. <laughs> so this is a <clears throat> just a monster truck. Feels like you're driving around a cement mixer. I'm sure other people who drive F-150s are like, yeah, this is just an F-150. And mm. they're right, it is, size-wise. But for somebody who drives like a regular car, it, it it's a big thing. And, you know, it's fine on the open roads. It's great. Uh, but, you know, when you get to parking and, uh, you know, construction zones, it's a little bit unwieldy. But, you know, you know what you're getting into if you're getting an F-150. And if you're getting an F-150, uh, you're, you know, a Lightning is a much better choice uh, for the environment and for, you know, various reasons, which I'll discuss here. For your pockets, uh, than than the gas guzzler version. Which one did you um did you drive? Which uh, version? They gave us uh every single version except the Ford Pro version, the, you know the the base model version to try out. So we, we got to see the base uh, display, which was actually pretty. Uh, oh, I would say almost more intuitive to use than the you know kind of like the Mustang uh, yeah. long display. Um, interior wise, uh, it goes everywhere from you know, pretty basic work truck to kind of like almost like a Lincoln uh, interior where, you know, it's really nice inside and, and could be almost a luxury vehicle. So, uh, you know, there's like 40 different configurations uh, you can go through. Um, we did some pooling. They uh, they had like a, a boat, uh, an Airstream. Uh, we had the Airstream. We drove it around for about 30 minutes. Um, I, I should say we were with uh, Miles, uh, who's a, uh, Video guy does mostly nine to five Mac stuff, but um, it was a lot of fun for both of us. I had never met him in person, so that was that was really nice. Um, but yeah, we we pulled the Airstream after about five minutes of driving with the Airstream. You forget it's there. It's just so powerful that mm-hmm. you you don't even feel the uh, the extra weight. Um, they had us going through the uh, dirt trails. It goes off road just fine. I wouldn't say it's as sporty perhaps as the um, Rivian. So, you know, just, just this week, I also had an opportunity to, to get the Rivian, mm-hmm. um, you know, the zero to 60 time in a Ford F-150. Uh, I think it's like four and a half seconds. Rivian's three seconds, you know, the, the Hummer is three point whatever seconds. So it's not quite as insane, but it's, you know, it's a huge F-150 truck and it's going zero to 60 in four seconds. So, it's no slouch, and because it's electric, because the um, you know the battery is low to the ground, you're getting 
kind of a sports car feel in in a very big vehicle. It kind of feels like you know you've shrunk down like a, a Disney character, and you, you know you're half your size or like a child, and you're in this huge vehicle, and it's it, you know accelerates and flies kind of like a a sports car. So overall, it's like yeah, you know, if you're in the F one fifty market. Uh, you'd be kind of crazy not to at least consider uh, the F-150 Lightning. It's a great vehicle. Um, you know, the only downside is like, you know, if you need to go 500 miles or if you need to tow something, you know, 300 miles, then maybe you should probably get the diesel version or whatever. But this thing is, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of vehicle and it's it's a really well put together uh, set up. Um, you're, uh, we're looking at the screen right now, the EPA ratings. I thought it was interesting that, um, it gets the same, uh, EPA, uh, as the, uh, Rivian, which, you know, the Rivian's a smaller vehicle. Um, F-150 is full size Rivian. I don't know what they classify it as, but it's smaller. So it's, it's curious that, um, it gets the same rating. I think Rivian may have bigger tires, um, but oh, yeah. you know, if you look at the cost, like, um, on, on this page as well, you have the cost of a regular F-150 all wheel drive. You spend 3,500 more than a typical car. Whereas the F-150 lightning, you spend 7,200, <coughs> 7,200 less. So you're talking about, you know, close to $11,000, uh, you're going to save in just fuel costs, uh, over a five year period. You know, fleet managers have to love that, especially, you know, if you're talking about the one that costs $40,000, um, that's a huge savings um, for fleet managers. And then, you know, it. I thought it was also impressive that even compared to these much smaller Ford Maverick uh, plug-in hybrid. Um, yeah, plug, no, is it plug-in? Is it, is it, no. It's not a plug-in. It's just yeah, regular yeah. hybrid. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so regular hybrid, it's a much you know the, it's a much smaller vehicle. It's still uh, saved twice as much money over a five year period. So every mile costs half as much with a full size F one fifty Lightning versus like a pint size Maverick hybrid. So that was just kind of interesting to me. And you, you get five hundred miles of range out of this with the gasoline, and get three twenty with electric, like. For most use cases, like you, you're gonna be fine with a lightning too. That's, uh, of course, uh, if you, you you start talking about pricing, that's different a little bit. <laughs> the, yeah, the Maverick costs nothing, but um, yeah, I mean, if you compare it to the Rivian, like you said, it's a bigger truck, uh, it's cheaper, and you get the same efficiency, uh, forty eight kilowatt hour to get to a hundred miles. And uh, basically, a little tiny bit of more range based on the EP rating. So, yeah, Ford, Ford, really, uh, they did a great job. Yeah, they pulled the uh, they pulled a rabbit out of the of their hat with this one. Like, uh, I mean, we we knew that they were okay, like good at making EVs with the Mustang Mackie. Like, it, it was it was a good vehicle, but you know, like price rank wise, I, I, we we know that they were doing something with to like with making the Mustang like that's a premium in itself and whatnot. But for the most part, like it was, it's a good car for, for like in the premium range, it's a good vehicle, but it's not, it, it doesn't break any barriers or anything like that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, then 150 right now is in basically a league of its own in terms of uh, electric pickup truck, in terms of pricing specifically. And especially it's, it's wild that they are also like delivering right now the they're starting, maybe not starting, but the uh, it's uh, with the first deliveries they have the forty thousand dollar version. Though that that's strange that they didn't let you drive it, though. I mean, we drove a. I think it was Lariat. I don't know. There's so many different Lariat with a standard range. Yeah, so um, they are delivering those now. I don't know what quantities, but mm-hmm. um, you know what sucks is like. The, the demand for these is off the chart. So if you if you're like okay, I definitely want one of these. You're not going to get one if you order one now until 2025 or 2026 or something. Just crazy. Like you know, you would think like a company that can make the you know tons of vehicles would say, all right, we have demand off the charts. Crank it up. You know, we're going to do the midnight to 8 a.m. shift. Do all that stuff. But they just they don't they can't turn it up that that high. Yeah, I mean, and that brings us basically to our, our next article that I thought was interesting. Uh, I, do, but do they uh, do they talk anything about what's the bottleneck right now? Did they say anything? They didn't say it, but I think batteries. Yeah, batteries it, is the always the main suspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, at the uh, the earnings calls uh, earlier uh, earlier this week or was it mm-hmm. last week uh, that um, Jim Farley, a Ford CEO made an interesting comments where he said that uh, he was asked about LFP batteries. And he said, yes, we've been working on LFP for quite some time. So let's just leave it at that. What I mean by it, by that is that engineering LFP solution in our first generation of products, EV products, he's talking about the Mustang mach and the F-150 Lightning here, uh, is something that we see as a big opportunity to move quickly. Uh, so he's kind of hinting that they'd be willing to introduce LFP battery cells into the both the Mustang and the F-150 Lightning in order to ramp up production faster. I don't know if he means that that's already in the plans for because uh, if you're not I haven't been following the F-150 production plans, uh, it, it looks like right now they are aiming to ramp up. They they want to deliver around forty thousand this year, I think. But of yep. course, that that's taking into account the fact that they just started production uh, last month, so there's already a quarter behind, and it's going to be a ramp up. It's going to take some time. Next year, they want to deliver 150 thousand of those. So I don't know if that's taking into account LFP or not. But that would be interesting because, of course, LFP batteries have been something limited more to the Chinese market as of late. Uh, Tesla was early in realizing the uh, the importance of including it in their shorter range vehicles in order to uh, both increase production and free up nickel base chemistries, which have higher energy density for the uh, longer range vehicles. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we see a question here from Philip Lavoie that uh, how is it possible for Ford to make any money on the 40,000 version Lightning? Great question. My, yeah, my, my guess is that so. they're they are not making any money right now on it. Uh, but, but that's often the case, like with automakers, where the very base version of the vehicle is breaking even, basically, and then they make money off of the accessories. And you, you can you can ram that up pretty quick on the on the F one hundred and fifty Lightning. You, you can go like I, I I think the average sell price is probably even for the standard range version. Um, 
I, I think that's going to be probably around fifty, fifty-five thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's starting to be to make more sense. Then if you had LFP batteries to that, then LFP batteries are cheaper. Now it's where are they going to get them? Is the question because uh, again the production right now is only in China. So. Um, Either they're going to bring production into the U.S. or they're going to order them from China, like Tesla does right now for the Model 3 standard range that they're producing in uh, in Fremont. And also Tesla has been in thing like maybe that the LFP cell, the 4680 cells could add the LFP chemistries in it. So that could be interesting. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's perfect for Ford because they have the 300-mile uh, range that could have lithium and then mm-hmm. the... Uh, 230 mile range, which they, they don't obviously need as much density there, would be perfect for LFP. Yeah. There's some concern about charging capacity and uh, use in colder weather. Uh, but for the most part, the, the, the iron that out of uh, the latest generation of LFPs, it's still not as good as nickel base, especially when it comes to energy density. But for shorter range vehicles, it makes a ton of sense. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the F-150 is going to be an interesting story to follow in the coming months, how the, the production ramps up. Like you said, right now, it's it's kind of it's kind of sad because like it's, it's car looks like, I mean, I've read your review, a bunch of other reviews, and uh, everything is glowing. But like no one can get their hands on it, like unless you want to play the dealer's game and like be willing to just pay a pretty penny, a pretty premium on it. Or, yeah, you're bu- buying it on you know, auction sites for double yeah. the price. Yeah, that's wild. All right. Um, we had some Twitter news. Uh, well, I, I'm trying to stay a bit away from the Elon Musk Twitter story because, of course, it doesn't affect – when it doesn't affect our space that we cover, like the, 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 the it, it kind of always does because it's Elon Musk and Elon is the CEO of Tesla. And then if he spends his time on anything else on Tesla, it's, it's in itself kind of newsworthy in the Tesla community. But in this case here, the interesting part of the development this week is that, uh, well, if you've been following Tesla stock, <laughs> it has, uh, it has dipped quite a bit. Uh, not to it to Tesla's fault in itself, really. It's, uh, there's been a giant market correction in the last, uh, in the last week, last few weeks, really, the whole year has been pretty rough on the market. But specifically, so in the last week for Tesla, stock is now trading down to it went below seven hundred and fifty, which was uh, the kind of seen as a, a critical point for Elon's loans that were backed by his t- stake in Tesla uh, for the Twitter acquisition. So now the news this week is that Elon is looking for financing. Outside of uh, loans backed by by uh, his, his Tesla shares, so he already reduced that the week prior when we talked about him securing financing with uh, um, with, with a few institutional investors and Larry Ellison from Oracle, who's also on the Tesla board. Uh, that reduced from twelve billion to six billion the amount of loans that are backed by Tesla shares, and now he's apparently looking to get that uh, six billion off to. Probably because of like how much pressure it puts on him, or not not just him, as if he's the only one that can affect the Tesla stock, but uh, keeping keeping the stock price to a level where he doesn't trigger him selling his shares to uh, in order to buy a social media platform. Really, uh, it's kind of a 
strange situation. But then, of course, uh, then when we learned this morning is that he's actually pausing the whole process of uh, acquiring Twitter, apparently over some fact. He, he wants Twitter to be transparent about how they came up with the figure that 5% of their accounts are used for spam and fake accounts. Um, to me, it sounds a little bit like he's... Uh, Backing he's, out. Yeah, he's uh, getting cold feet or whatever because uh, uh, there's nothing new with... like th- that's part. Apparently, that's part of why you want to buy Twitter. He wants to... He wants to kick out all the fake accounts and uh, and the bots. Yeah, he's and just finding out about the bots now. Yeah, uh, come on. Obviously, the the way he, fra- he phrased it is that he, he wants Twitter to to say clearly, like, wh- how did they come up with that number? I assume the logic is that, like, if the if they came up with the number, it means they know which accounts are fake and which are not. So if they know, why are they not just banning those accounts? Of course, they just pop up all the time anyway. But still. It looks like you want some question. You said that you still committed to the acquisition, but that was like that was big news this morning. This is a, and of course you tweeted about it. He tweeted like this is a forty-four billion dollar deal. Uh, I'm pausing the process right now because I want some answers. Like it's uh, it's wild, man. This guy, I know. But that's where we at right now with that Twitter acquisition on the Tesla front. Uh, this week, Elon Elon went on uh, the Future of Car conference with uh, was it the Financial Times. He did a quick interview where uh, JB Straubel was there for a little bit, uh, and uh, they basically just uh, you know made sure to push hard their version of the inception of Tesla that they they are the co-founders, which I, be, I believe, by the way, I, I mean, it's not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that they are pushing a false narrative or anything. It's just that lately, like for some reason, Elon has been going hard on that, like uh, um, trying to discredit, well, not discredit, but like remind everyone his importance and in, in JB's importance in creating Tesla and not Mark Tarpening and Martin Herberhard, who was the or, were the original co-founders of the of the company. Which uh, I'm not. I'm not a fan of that because I, I mean I I understand. Like I believe Elon should definitely be a founder of a company and JB two for the importance of the company. But they won. Like they are the billionaires. They are the 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 they 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 get most of the credits for Tesla. Like by far. Like there's not there's not any. Let me use the word casuals. They're followers of Tesla that. Uh, are like oh yeah, but uh, um, Martin Eberhard was the real co-founder. Like there's some people that are attacking Elon on Twitter and things like that that are saying that, but the vast majority of uh, uh, like you, you you go on the street in New York right now and you have someone like who's the founder of Tesla? They're gonna they're gonna tell you Elon Musk. Like, right. <laughs> so so you won. Like just give that up because even for for their fault and especially like I, I know that there, there was some mismanagement at Tesla that 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 led to Eberhard being ousted. But they, they still, in my opinion, they still were extremely important to the identification of transport, uh, especially the communication. Both, both uh, Tarpening and Herberhard, uh, early on, they had a lot of speeches and they, they, they were promoting like why electric vehicles are going to be battery electric vehicles specifically. Because back then, there was like people don't remember that hydrogen folks were like hydrogens and battery, like fuel cells and battery were like hand in hand, like which one's going to be the future of the transport industry. And I mean, there's still some 
some folk holding on to that hydrogen idea that uh but now they are they they are um, kind of being uh, left behind if you will and most people agree now that the battery electric was uh is the way to go but i think heberhard and tarpeting we, were very good on that um, making sure that that happens and that uh i mean there's still a ton of money that was wasted on hydrogen during that time but less so Anyway, during uh, after this little like recalling of what happened in the early days of Tesla, uh, there was a more of a, like a regular interview. And I know, did you watch the whole thing, Seth? Yep. Yeah. Did you get a feeling like Elon was uh, uh, being a little bit more like stern about that? Like every time he was asking a question about Tesla, it was like this is not the forum for any product announcement, everything like that. For some reason, he got pissed at the interviewer at some yeah. early point. And also, I thought it was weird. So you know, I don't know if I picked up late or whatever but i thought it was weird really weird that twitter came up and they're like all right jb gotta go like peace yeah. out jb well that, and that's jb had format, actually yeah. gone to like the uk like flown there was in the offices mm-hmm. and they're like you know like this is the future of automobiles conference bye jb we got to talk about twitter now uh, i like, couldn't find it but i i assumed that he had his home talk with the interviewer before or something like yeah, that. yeah there there was and i saw a clip of that and it was about like, batteries and it was pretty interesting Okay, okay, I need to see that because I couldn't find it. Because, yeah, I, I saw that too when you he said, Let's talk about Twitter. Bye, JB. Thank you very much. Like, I thought it was weird. Too. But I, I, would I thought he was kidding we... at first. I thought he was like sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, JB looked good, though. I'm uh, happy for it. Like, uh, yeah. You had yeah, a rough he... few years. And, uh, yeah, it's some personal. Yeah. Things. You look good. And of course, uh, Redwood Materials is going uh, wild now. They are like hiring like crazy. They're growing super fast. Maybe there was because there's something there between Tesla and Redwoods to be uh, to be done. Like there's some. I know that Tesla has its own recycling effort and everything. I'm gonna get to that. But anyway, so during the talk, there was there was a few interesting things that Elon mentioned about uh, Tesla. Uh, one of them was about opening up the supercharger network. When he was asked about that, uh, especially in the U.S., because of course it's already been. Uh, starting to be done in, in Europe. So it's a little trickier in the U.S. because we have a different connector than the rest of the industry. But we will be, and this, this is where the, the phrasing is important, we'll be adding the rest of the industry connector, the CCS1, as an option to superchargers in the U.S. So this is a different phrasing than what the, previously, when, when we talked about opening the supercharger in the U.S., Elon has talked mainly about adding, uh, selling an adapter so uh, a CCS one to um, well, well, receiving re- receiving Tesla proprietary connector and exiting a CCS one, so you can plug into the average EV in the US. Um, then letting people through the Tesla app get an account, put your credit card in there, and then all you have to do is just plug into that adapter, buy that adapter, of course. Um, uh, the, we we the way he was phrasing it too, there was likely the possibility that Tesla would provide an adapter at the supercharger station. So it would just be like a new way to get the adapter there and then you could use uh, one of the stalls. That would make sense too. But now the way he phrased it, he, he's basically intended as uh, building supercharger station with a CCS connector, um, which actually makes a little bit of sense in uh, its... its um, Reminiscent of what Tesla did in Europe when they introduced the Model 3, which when they introduced the Model 3 in Europe, it, it came with a CCS adapter. So Tesla had a weird situation where it had a fleet of vehicle with its own proprietary connector. 
uh, in Europe with the Model S and the Model X. And now it was adding a CCS vehicle to the fleet. And it's kind of the same thing that's happening that would be happening in the US and North America with Tesla onboarding non-Tesla EVs. They'd be onboarding new CCS into the supercharger network with having an existing fleet of vehicle with the Tesla proprietary connector, which Tesla has a kind of a responsibility to, of course, to to have a, a growing network, not just the existing one, but uh like when I think when I don't know about you, said, but when I buy a Tesla, I'm, I buy it also in mind with the fact that I can use a supercharger network and it's a growing network of, sure. of a charger that's going to uh, enable me to, to to travel as much as I can. So now Tesla is facing a situation that how do they open up to those other vehicles? And in Europe, what they did is that they would they started by building new station with either a dual cable uh, C- supercharger with both the proprietary connector and the CCS adapter, so that that uh, or CCS connector, it's an adapter on the station and new station. So uh, would get both some some stalls with the proprietary connector and some with the CCS adapter, the CCS connector, uh, and then eventually this this is a retrofitting also the existing station to have both of those so the, you have the option when you get there uh, so this this could be something that is going to happen also in the u.s so something to keep an eye on of course we saw when tesla applied to build some station in texas and now that's that's the thing too everything that has anything to do with incentive to build chargers and there's going to be a lot of that coming in in the next few years with the 7.5 billion dollars that was unlocked by the federal government to do that but also there's been some incentive at the state level, like one in Texas, uh, actually VW money again, Dieselgate money again in Texas that was going to be distributed. And when Tesla applied to get some of that money for some charging station there, one of the requirements is to have uh, connectors for more than one automaker. So they had to put some CCS and they were applying to have charging supercharger station with both Tesla's connector and CCS connectors. So this, with that in mind and with Elon's new comments, it looks like that might be the approach now that this is going to take to opening up the supercharger network. So that's going to be interesting. Of course, this is going to be like a massive balancing between, all right, how do we add value to other electric vehicles by giving them access to what is by far the most extensive charging network in North America and at the same time, not uh, making the experience worse for existing Tesla owners uh, who sometimes already experience some wait times at supercharger station. What do you think the end game is for charging in the U.S.? Like, is Tesla going to eventually capitulate and make, you know, like Europe uh, CCS adapters? Or are they going to keep doing this, like, both stuff for a while? I think the long term is going to be capitulating and everyone's going to be on CCS. It's just that it's going to take a while because you have this whole fleet of vehicles now that has the Tesla proprietary adapter and that fleet is going to be alive for a long time. Uh, so it I reminds think- me a little bit of the uh, VHS and beta uh, <laughs> thing. You know, beta was a superior technology. The tapes were mm-hmm. smaller, uh, better quality video. Mm-hmm. Sony didn't let anybody else have it, so all the rest of the industry made mm-hmm. their own standard VHS. <laughs> if, a lot, I'm sure a lot of people don't remember this because they're too young, but um, VHS won out. Even Sony was making VHS uh, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't better quality, wasn't better 
technology. Tesla's uh, adapter is much smaller. Uh, it's easier to maneuver, plug in, and whatever. But I think CCS is going to win out. Yeah, but then maybe there's the DVD of charging that is going to come out and then make both of them obsolete. Right. Who knows? Uh, but I think for the most part, what I think is going to be is, is it, it's it's going to be a slow transition, like we just discussed, with the new new station coming up and then retrofitting some existing one, and then as that plan rolls out gradually, uh, then we we do need that that damn CCS adapter that has been so elusive that we talked about last week that was getting two or five kilowatts now. So hopefully that thing's gonna come out soon, and, uh, and and then people can get their hands on it, and th- then once everything is CCS, it's not that bad anymore with that. Yeah, and if they could get the price down a little bit, that would be nice as well. You mm-hmm. know, if it was like a hundred bucks. I mean, it's it's a pretty big electronic device, so maybe yeah. I'm being optimistic. Um, all right. The other interesting thing that Elon mentioned during the, the, the conference, he said that Tesla might stop taking orders on some vehicles due to the long delivery times. So actually, there was this this one rolls back into the Twitter thing because the, the interviewer asked him if he fears that his move to acquire Twitter and bring back uh, Trump, for example, and other anything controversial that he could do with Twitter could affect Tesla's sales. And Elon was like, "No, our demand is not a problem." Like, and then he went into seeing demand is not exceeding production to a ridiculous degree. We are actually probably going to limit or just stop taking orders for anything beyond a certain period of time because some of the timing for the delivery of the new orders he's talking about is more than a year away. Uh, so I actually looked at it, and I mean, there's not really more than a year away, other than for the base Y uh, that says May 20. So it's not really; it's, it's a year, uh, February 2023 to May 2023 for base Model 3. Uh, Model Y, Model 3 is actually pretty good. You can get one pretty fast. Um, but uh, but but yeah. So this this is something that we discussed a few weeks ago actually that's uh this this kind of weird situation where Tesla has to predict pricing on vehicle that they're going to deliver a year from now uh that's creating a lot of issues because for the most part you're like why why would you stop thinking orders like a, a, a big backlog is great like it's it's good for a company and you can plan plan sorry we we ahead of time but now when you're way off time, is actually a year away and pricing are, are, are surging like 200% a year for some materials that you're using. Well, that, that creates a, a different scenario. Uh, so, of course, I know Tesla also has like long-term pricing agreement. But some, some of the deals like they have on like lithium and, and nickel and things like that are not – the pricing is, 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 is based on the price it is when they deliver it. Uh, so that, that – so that's wild like the prices are doing that all the time now so it's weird that they would stop taking orders i mean they're still taking orders on roadsters right well like, those are reservations reservations right so like a little the, different the, yeah um now you know now that tesla has that uh, 100 200 fee whatever it is that uh, is non-refundable when you place an order in that's the administration fee that they call it or whatever right uh so that's the big difference here and so, so they would, so for example, for this version of the Model Y, the base version, they would like stop taking orders right now, and because so that way they're not like giving you a price that they have to honor, and then 
a year from now you're you're buying the, like you could like right that's what's happening right now like Tesla is delivering cars right now that people ordered like six months ago at five thousand dollar cheaper and Tesla is delivering the car right now when they can deliver the same car that people order like today and they deliver it the next day for five dollars they just make like clean five thousand dollar more in profit so they don't want that obviously they they want they, they want to sell as the highest price as possible but not only that people are buying cars and reselling it right away now because they're making so much money off of it. Like if you have a car on order uh, for the original pricing, you can sell it like $10,000 more in some cases. So it's, it's free money for some people. If you are already, a, you don't need the car, of course, which of course some people need, but you just hold on to your trade in instead of something. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, the, this is a recycling effort. I think that's that's going to be critical. Like we just talked about securing the, the minerals and everything. But the big difference with electric vehicles is when the battery is depleted, you still get um, a, a battery pack that maybe not old energy as good as it used to or at all if there's a defect or whatever. But the minerals are still all in there. It's not like you just burn them like you do with gas. So uh getting those uh, minerals back is is big business and tesla gave an update on the on, on the recycling effort through the their impact report that i thought was interesting so they have this this uh system that uh, basically recovers 92% of the battery cell materials uh from a battery pack that they're recycling and uh, uh last year they they had 1. Uh, 1300 tons of nickel 400 tons of coppers and 80 tons of cobalt so last year, instead, oh no, that was that was in 2020 actually. Last year, they uh, rammed that up to 1,500 tons for nickel, so a 200 ton improvement in uh, recycling. Uh, they went down to 300 tons for coppers from 400, but way up on cobalt from 80 tons to 200 tons. And um, not only that, the, the the capacity to to recycle also greatly improved. Uh, where did I? I'm sure I put that in our article. I'm just missing it. Hmm. I think it's something like 50 tons per week, but uh, I might be, I'm not 100% sure. I thought for sure I put it in an article. I'm just probably not seeing it. Anyway, one thing that's very interesting is that those packs that they are getting those 1,500 tons of uh of nickel and and then 200 tons of cobalt from are mostly not consumer packs that are coming back because of course the fleet like right now like the oldest tesla vehicles that they have other than the roadster of course is like a 10 year old mobile s basically that's that's the really the, not even like uh like my mobile s is going to be 10 years old in december i think i was going to say like we're not even to the 10 year point of the model yeah. s it's the end of this year and Tesla expects that most cars are going to last uh, like 15 years, I think 12 to 15 years. So you're not getting a lot of packs. Most of the packs that they're getting are actually R&D packs. Like, so packs that they use to test longevity of and also like defects, like the, right. uh, like the, the packs before even getting to the consumer as have a problem. Or if they got the consumer and it's been a replacement because of a defect, then they, they send those to recycling now uh, or, and or quality assurance and then recycling. But um, 
they said they, they didn't know that was interesting. They didn't know that uh, most of the pack that they're getting that actually are consumer packs that are just end of life. So there are some that are end of life already, but most of them are, are from people that are predominantly, they say predominantly from taxi-like uh, vehicles. So like Tesla, for example, like Obama Mall X from. Okay, yeah. Well, they did send a battery pack back to Tesla after 300,000 miles and that was like two years into the, the vehicle, which was a, a Model X 2016. And by 2018, you have 300,000 miles on it. But it's a, it's a different use case, obviously. So some of those vehicles are coming back to Tesla. No, so you, some of those battery packs. I say. Did you keep that thing or did you sell it? Uh, I sold it a few months ago. Okay. Like I wasn't going to LA anymore, so I didn't need a car there. Sold it for the same price I bought it. So it was like a free vehicle for however long I used it. Appreciating asset. For- yeah. Not not depreciating at the very least. Uh, another thing that we learned today: Tesla is abandoning for now its plan to enter the Indian market. So India is pretty sure India is the biggest auto market that Tesla is not in at the moment, and that's because they have strong protectionist laws when it comes to their automotive industry, and uh, they have very high import duties for vehicles coming into the market. So mostly like, unless it's like a Tata vehicle or a vehicle produced in India, it's mostly like a super luxury vehicles that people are willing to to pay those those crazy import fees for. Um, but now Tesla to introduce to, to get into the market, they were lobbying to get that those import duties removed when it comes to electric vehicles in order to. You know, it makes sense. Some countries have done that to uh, it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of an electric vehicle incentive, if you will, but at the manufacturer level, basically. Um, but uh, they they weren't really, they were like negotiating for a long time, and it looks like they were getting close because Tesla hired a whole team in India. They were looking for location for service center for superchargers. Uh, they they brought a bunch of vehicles here, the ones that you see there, for testing, and they they got them approved by the local authorities to get them on the road and everything. But they were at the same time they were negotiating to get those import duties removed because otherwise, if if they're there, like the market would be so small that it wouldn't be worth it to do all that to do those service center to do those superchargers. But the government held strong, and they were like, "We no, like because the the way they saw it is like." The, the laws is there to, for people to actually invest in local manufacturing of those vehicles. But Tesla has always been not willing to do that. Even in China, they were always, we're going to import first, see how the market responds to it. And then if the demand is there, we're going to bring manufacturing there like they did in China, in Europe, and whatnot. You think that's what the Indian government's doing is they're trying to get Tesla to build a factory there? Yeah, that's that's clearly what they were doing. They were even like giving them land to uh, right. uh, to get the factories on. They, they were really trying to attract them, but Tesla was all like the both both sides held uh, held to their um, to, to what they were aiming for. Like for the for the government, they really wanted the factories. It was factories or nothing, uh, and for Tesla, it was like import duties or nothing. Mm. So both sides that uh, didn't uh, flinch. And now Tesla actually is walking back their plan to to launch the country. Uh, they even reassigned some of the employees that they have there to other markets, and uh, and they are they stopped looking at uh, locations for superchargers and, and service centers. I don't know. I feel like this might not be the last we've heard from Tesla in India. This might be a uh, a tactic. Yeah, exactly. That that's the move. Then, like you right. say, okay, I'm out. I'm out. 
right. now 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 they're like what now like now india has, has nothing they don't have the tesla to sell and they don't have the manufacturing either so like maybe they, they start they start to flinch um all right do you want to uh talk a little bit about your tesla shields yeah so uh this week's episode is sponsored by teslashields.com uh you get 10% off Tesla floor mats, trunk and front kits, and other Tesla accessories with code ELECTREK. Uh, just a little background. I met uh, Jason at in Texas at the uh, one of the events adjacent to the uh, Gigafactory opening. Uh, cool guy. Uh, you know, he, he operates a kind of a one-man shop out of a uh, garage in Miami. Uh, he specced out some really nice um, floor mats. And, and when I say really nice, like, you know, Tesla's mats aren't great. Like they're carpeted and they get dirty. If, if you get, get them dirty, they're kind of hard to clean. So I, I replaced all my mats in my Tesla's and I, you know, just picked up uh, some good ones on Amazon and I thought they were great, but you know, he showed me his and I'm like, Oh, these are, you know, really f- flat. They, they, uh, you know, water drops in, they don't leak out the sides. They're like cups. And, uh, so, uh, he's like, let me send you some. And he sent me, um, they were way better than the ones I had in my Model Y. So I was like, all right, passes the, uh, the electric test. So uh, we're doing a little uh, 10% off uh, thing with them. Um, if they're anything like the ones I got, and, and I'm sure they will be, uh, you'll enjoy them. Um, I don't know that they are going to have older Model 3 mats. Um, you might have to settle for a trunk and a front kit there. Uh, it looks like they're out of out of stock, so to talk to jason about that but that's it uh if you if you want really nice uh floor mats head up tesla shields get 10 percent off with the code electric perfect oh. i think i'm uh frozen yeah oh i'm back i'm back all right uh we're gonna talk a bit about rivian that they had their earnings this week too so we talked about the tesla stock taking a hit this week uh rivian was uh no exception. They, right there uh, with they, them. They, yeah. And, uh, but at the same time, they had their earnings report, which uh, didn't help that much. But then, of course, the stock recovered more with, uh, with the market recovering. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been following today. What's the uh, Rivian stock today look like? It's up, but I don't remember how much. Yeah. Uh, it's trading at $26. It's up 10% today. So it's doing a lot better. But still, it's uh, it's way down from, from, from its uh, height after the... Uh, Going public last year, but uh, so this this week uh, the, uh, the the report uh, it was it's interesting report really because uh, <laughs> it's hard not to to, to draw a comparison to um, to Tesla, especially in its early days and like the kind of uh, the lessons that Tesla learned versus like what Riven is learning right now. And uh, you know, one thing that I find. Particularly, so they, they lost one point five billion dollars. That's the that's the story here. That's not too surprising. It's uh, it's actually a little bit less than the they thought than the the analysts thought they were going to lose. I mean, they are trying to ramp up production of a massive products. The then uh, then they all have a lot of capital expenditure and to to make that happen. But what's more interesting is if you look to be sustainable, they need to sell those products, pr- produce them, sell them, deliver them at a profit. And right now, uh, they are losing. Uh, they, they made ninety-five million dollars in revenue from delivering about twelve hundred uh, R one T that you pick up, and, and uh, I, I guess some uh, Amazon 
vans do. And that caused them to produce that, caused them $597 million to produce $95 million in revenue. So that's that's obviously, that's that's bad. But one of the interesting things to consider is that they delivered 1,200, but they actually produced 2,500 during that same period of time. So that's that's where the 600 million is going in into it's not producing 1200 that they deliver but 25 and this is a problem that tesla as a direct to consumer automaker one of the only one has figured out really quickly that you need to deliver the cars that you produce in a quarter especially in those early days because that's when i mean here the, the big difference between tesla then and, the, and and rivian now is that rivian is still sitting on 16 billion dollar cash which tesla didn't have back in those stages of ramp up so so while it looks bad, like if you keep in mind like that it looks bad because they can afford it. But the, imagine how different that that um, uh, operation statement looks, that financial statement for for the revenue uh, and cost of uh, the first quarter looks. If they deliver most of those twenty five hundred cars that they produce, they would the revenue would be twice as high. They would they would, they would be at over uh, close to 200 million in revenue so the the gross profit would be down from minus to, to be in the hole of 500 million to being the hole for like 400 million which is a big difference yep. but and that scales fast that that that's so if next quarter they deliver the they produce 10,000 vehicles and only deliver 5,000 of them it's going to look worse it's going right. to these these financial statements are going to look horrific and again, if you keep in mind that if uh, as long as it goes the right direction and you can absorb it through having a, a giant cash position, they might be okay. But it's it's a dangerous game that they're playing, and uh, and you, they, they're gonna have to look at Tesla what they did back then to to fix that issues. And it, it is all it's those crazy delivery waves is having the capacity to deliver them. And so when I, w- I was reading the report, I, I remember just last week when you, you got delivery of your uh, press vehicle. And I was like, you, you were saying that there were hundreds of vehicles there waiting yeah. for, for delivery to customers. That That's it. That's where that money is going right there. It, 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 these, these vehicles cannot be sitting there. No. You got to deliver them to customers right away. Cause that's when you can recognize revenue. And that's, that's when you get the check and, they, they need to start doing even though like again I understand they, they are sitting on a ton of cash but they need to start showing a way that it's a sustainable business it's not just about burning cash yeah I mean there were hundreds of uh r1ts at the factory or at the uh place in Brooklyn and mm-hmm. you know I asked the, the press guy like what are they doing here like why why aren't they being delivered they don't have enough people to deliver them yeah simple they, as that they need to get more they need to hire faster and like you know, like some customer, like I, all the Rivian customers I know mm-hmm. are chomping at the bit to get their mm-hmm. vehicles. They would love to just go pick those things mm-hmm. up, but like getting them from the, the the place where they're at now to the customers, they're having. But problems. you remember, people were laughing at Tesla for like having owners come help with delivery pushes and having like having to pull like executives. That's and like employees, production employees to do deliveries engineers to do deliveries and all that but that's that's the reality of it like tesla had to do that because otherwise they would go bankrupt 
right. because uh, of they, they didn't have sixteen billion dollars sitting on to to do that back then when Tesla was at this level. So so Rivian has this luxury, but at the same time, this is only get worse with higher volume if you don't do it. Yeah. So there has to be there has to be a balance here. And Rivian has already indicated, even though they're sticking to the twenty five thousand produced vehicles in in twenty twenty two. But they're saying that we're not going to gain. It's going to be a negative gross margin on that. Still, Tesla, when they were making twenty five thousand vehicles a year, they were already in deep in the positive gross margin. Like I, I want to even say close to twenty percent. Even I don't remember on the top of my head because that was back in like two thousand fourteen, maybe. But it, it it was significant positive gross margin. They were still losing money, of course, on on overall operations because right. like this this I'm just talking about the. Uh, the gross profit here with the, the cost of, re- of revenue, uh, but then if you had like research and development, five hundred million to selling general and administrative, another five hundred million, that's where you get the one point five billion dollar loss here. That's okay. I- I'm okay with that. I'm okay with them like losing a five hundred million. Well, it's not losing. Like they're investing it in research and development, and but you you need to close the gap here. Those those two numbers. Otherwise, I think I think we we were asked that question last week if Rivian's going to survive. But if they were to survive, they need to close the gap here. That's and they, and they tried, like they tried to raise the price yeah. on people who already yeah. bought, bought, and that would have closed the margin. But yeah. people weren't happy about that idea, so yeah. they had to they had to go back, and they're going to yeah. they're going to lose. I think you know a billion bucks for that, but yeah. it's important to keep your early customers happy yeah. as well. Because I, I was I was interested about investing this week when it went down to like the twenty twenty four dollar levels and everything, but I mean I, I I would very much like to see that happen before putting my money in. Yeah, it's a different environment. I feel like Tesla, uh, you know, what what like five six years ago when this was going on with the Model Three, I feel like they were the only game in town. Mm-hmm. You know, Rivian's got Ford to contend with a little bit, um, but you know. Everything's there for Rivian to, if they execute really well, to have success, for it to happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one other thing I saw in the earnings report, I don't know if uh, Jamie had gotten to it, but on page four, it says, the scale of our impact is ultimately tied to our ability to deliver compelling unit economics. Beyond extensive continuous improvement activities across vehicles, we look forward to introducing our new lithium iron phosphate battery, update electronics, and single motor drive unit known mm-hmm. as Enduro. We plan to use uh, plan to use both in the EDV, which is the Amazon truck for single motor application, and the R1 uh, for dual motor application. So, Rivian's also thinking about or doing uh, lithium iron phosphate, and then they also talked a little bit about their their uh, dual motor instead of quad motor platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but those are not coming until like is it next year, even the year after that. It's- yeah, the LFP is probably going to be the lower end yeah. battery, which makes sense. Yeah, uh, they still they, they grew their order book by ten thousand units, uh, yep. so that's uh, like they still and that's all with the new pricing. Or I think uh, that when, when when was the April, pricing fiasco? April seventeenth, I think, was the new pricing. So okay, okay, no, so no, so that's mostly without the new pricing, but because ten thousand more during the last quarter, no. uh, it's it, it looks good. Like like you said, they have everything in place to make it. They just they have to do a lot of little improvements on different fronts. 
which of course the manufacturing fronts like they cannot be having negative gross margin on those cars like that's not sustainable but even like in front of like the delivery system like they need to deliver those vehicles to customers faster yeah they should have a customer coming the same day the truck is yeah. dropping them off yeah yeah, people like Elon was like hammering that on 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 calls for like for years and years, and people right. like what like like delivering the car to customer. That's the easy part. What are you talking about? But that's that's what we're talking about here. That's where your financials look like that. I mean, don't do it. <laughs> yep. Um, all right, we have uh, two more news items to get into, and then after that, we can uh, take a few questions. We're already almost an hour deep into this one, so but we still have time for a few questions after that. So if you have any, just put them in the comment section right now. If you can put questions in the capitals uh, letter in a full letter, or, or or just the whole thing, that would be helpful to for us to find them. Uh, all right, Scout. Now uh, I might be uh, too young for that one, but like because they they they're saying that they are bringing that back. Uh, I don't know that it existed before so <laughs> so i do uh my grandfather used to have these uh a scout uh you know like not the pickup version the the full version international harvester made it and uh he was like a big fan yeah i think he bought two or three of them mm. so i'm i'm definitely a scout fan okay so scout was uh, a brand or uh, of volkswagen or an independent company and then volkswagen it was bought a, it or something yeah, it was International Harvester. Um, I think they discontinued the the thing, and then International Harvester got bought by a company called V something. So they bought the whatever, and then Vol- Volkswagen bought that company. Okay, okay, okay. So yeah, I mean, there's uh, they just made it official. Uh, they didn't put the tweet in or something. Okay, but uh, yeah, this week they made it official that they are bringing Scout back in the U.S. as a electric vehicle uh, brand. And uh, they released these, these these pictures of these two uh, profile of vehicles here, which uh, we were just talking about Rivian. But uh, oh boy, did they look did they look a lot like look at this uh, the R1S and the R1T. They both look just like that. Yeah. And also also they are talk they they're saying that it's going to be a Huff Road electric vehicle brand. And of course, Rivian is uh, marketing itself as a as a adventure brand, which is not completely off-road, but partly off-road. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting development here. They basically look to create a kind of a Rivian owned by Volkswagen and, sorry, basically the U.S. too. Here's the tweet uh, that they made the announcement official. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, a news yeah. item. Um, you know, what's interesting is... Uh, Driving around the R1T last week, um, it kind of occurred to me like there's really nothing announced or coming that kind of fits in the same, you know, because Rivian's smaller than a full size. It's like Tacoma sized. I don't know mm-hmm. what they call that, but it's smaller and it's it's adventure focused versus a work truck or whatever. And there's, there was really nothing in the space. And then lo and behold, Volkswagen comes out. The only other thing I think the Kia EV9 is a little bit like that, but I'm sure it won't be quite as off-road capable as the Rivian. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Kia EV9, uh, that vehicle might get produced in the U.S. eventually because uh, Hyundai and Kia are looking to build an electric vehicle factory in the U.S. So you have the Ionic, a lot of success that they're having on Ionic, but it's already, I think it is a 6 to 12 month 
backlog of orders for the Ionic 5 in most places in the U.S. and North America because uh, the allocations are not great. Hyundai is starting production of electric vehicle in, in uh, the U.S. at their factory in Alabama for the Genesis uh, JV70, which is basically like the, the Genesis version of the Ionic 5. But uh, now they are talking about producing, building a new EV plant. Um, there was a bunch of, they, they, they confirmed it basically this week, but it was through like uh, the back door. Like there was, they, there was a lot of rumors about a new factory from Hyundai about it for, to produce electric vehicles in the U.S. Uh, there was talk between uh, some officials in Georgia where Hyundai already has some manufacturing facilities uh, to, to build a new plant there. And amid those rumors, uh, the, the, the uh, Hyundai spokesperson confirmed that they are, they are planning a, an EV factory in the U.S. They just they don't have any announcement to details to share where it's going to be and when. But uh, we assume that an announcement is coming pretty soon if they are willing to confirm it right now. All right, so we jump into the comments. Yep. All right, uh, let's go for the top. Um, from LinkedIn, we get uh, I would get the Lightning just so I can get the 4K inverter. So that's four kilowatt inverter for home backup power. 70K price compared to a nine Tesla Power Walls, which would cost more than 100K. That's a great point. Uh, Ford, uh, we didn't talk about it, but Ford's got the um, the power output, like the uh, you know the uh, AC power out that can either back up your house or do a worksite. Um, when you compare the cost of what Ford's offering to power walls of the same size, it's it's kind of crazy because you know Ford's got four, 140 kilowatt hours, and each power wall is about 14 kilowatt hours, mm-hmm. so it's like nine or ten power walls to equal the size of one Ford F-150. I mean, if you were buying, if you're thinking about buying 10 power walls, you could just buy a Ford and have it just parked in your yeah, house. But it, it's, it, I mean, I, I get your point and I get uh, the commenter's point here, but the the thing is like, no one is, buy, is buying nine power walls for backup purposes. Like there's just, it's not, it's not how, like there's no, it doesn't make enough financial sense anyway. So if some people are buying nine power walls, I've seen nine power walls installation before, even like more than nine. But uh, those are for to combine them with a solar system and to 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 make it uh, either completely autonomous through that or through a, a system of net metering and and uh, time of use costs. So so that's where you use it. And if you do that, that means you're using it every day. Using those power walls, you you cannot do that with a car. You you, you won't you won't get that, that that same kind of value out of that system. You, you're right that it is comparable to nine Tesla power walls used as backup power because that capacity will last just as long. But that's for like a few, not even once. Like if you if you want to completely deplete your battery pack and your Ford F one fifty or nine Tesla power walls. You need an outage that lasts days under, unless you're like using electricity like crazy. But I don't know what kind of hassle you have, but um, it's 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 different power uses, completely different use cases, different financial cases. It's it's different. I think you cannot make really that comparison, in my opinion. Right, and and the point is basically like you do get a a power wall plus you know use of electricity mm. if you're only using the power wall for backup. Obviously, you're driving the truck around and your power at home goes out. You're not 
you're not going to have a great time. The, where I think it makes the most sense, this the the because we talked about it last week, the home integration system. It's going to cost at least four thousand dollars, and I mean, I I would be surprised if you get out of it for less than like six seven thousand dollars install and everything. Um, you you get that if you're like you're getting a Ford F one fifty Lightning because you want a Ford F one fifty Lightning when you want a pickup truck, and uh, you you were going to get like um. A, uh, a generator at a home that would make more sense okay instead of getting a generator at home i'll get that and then that works with my pickup truck and also works in itself that that would make sense to me yep all right so we already talked about the uh yeah. question how is it for power how is it possible for ford to make money on the 40k lightning we don't think they're making any money on that um Jonathan Root says LFP is a feature much easier to maintain for the average consumer, simply charge to 100% every day. That's something that we don't talk about a lot, but mm-hmm. LFP, you can charge to 100%. That's nice. Uh, Tyler Donahoe says, comment, they should start up a consumer battery buyback program to recycle their batteries, lower cost by getting your batteries materials back. Yeah, I think that's going to come at some point when, uh, when it make it makes sense to, to sell it back right now. But, um, like like we just discussed, there's not a lot of volume right now to make it a viable program. Uh, really quick onto the Twitter, uh, Jonathan Root says Elon's trying to cancel or renegotiate his Twitter acquisition, not because of bots, but because of the crashing markets. I, I think there yeah. might be some truth to that. I mean, if yeah. if Elon hadn't made the uh, the offer, Twitter would probably be in the twenties right now, and yeah. and you know Elon's basically paying double. Yeah. yeah. He's paying double, or no, or, or look at that. He sold eight billion dollars worth of Tesla stocks in order to buy Twitter, and he sold that. He sold it around like a thousand dollars, like nine hundred dollars, yeah. and now it's it's seven hundred dollars. He should just buy back. Te- yeah, Tesla he could shares. just he could just use that to buy back. Uh, <laughs> oh, Elon! Oh boy, that guy just falls into money. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's see what last question I think we have here. Um, Spikes 43 question. How do you see the F-150 versus Rivian in three years? Do you feel good about Rivian reservation? Um, I'll I'll go first on this one. Um, I think it's good, but, you know, as we said, Rivian has to execute. I like Rivian for me personally and why I'm keeping my reservation because the, the vehicle actually fits in my garage. Um, I can I can park it pretty easily. I actually really enjoy the smaller size, but it's not microscopic. I mean, you still have a very large vehicle. It's just not F one fifty large. So I think there's a differentiator there. Um, you know, Volkswagen's not coming to the market with the Scout until 2026. Rivian should be at full speed at that point. They should have a good you know reputation. So I think they have the runway as long as they execute. They're going to be in good shape. It's not the same as the F one fifty. I mean, does Ford make a Rivian size truck? I know they make like the Maverick, which is smaller, yeah, and maybe Maverick's like smaller. the Ranger. I don't know if they make that in the U.S. or whatever. I'm yeah, not I'm not familiar guy. enough to be honest with the the pickup truck market. Uh, I hope to be once it's get more electrified. But yeah, <laughs> but I agree with you in terms of, of the size. I think I, there's room for both and many more <laughs> pickup, yep. electric pickup truck. So I, I, I get where people are coming from right now. They're like, oh, either this one and this one, because like a lot of people are just, they, they wouldn't they, they wouldn't buy anything other than electric vehicles right now, which I, I completely understand. So you're just looking to compare anything that you can get. 
uh, I mean, my dad was never, never wanted or uh, never talked his life, never mentioned the word pickup truck in his life, basically. <laughs> and now he says that uh, he, he wants to buy the, the Silverado. Uh, uh, it's a pickup truck. Like he placed a reservation for that. Really? It could, yeah. Cause, but if you look at the market right now, like you, the, my parents want, want them to get your car, but there's just not that. They like, even if they, if they they could maybe get a Silverado before they can get uh, uh, Ionic Five or uh, a VW ID Four in Quebec right now. <laughs> They're so oh, popular, wow. <laughs> so uh, it's a uh, it's a race to try to reserve everything right now. It's just uh, it's exciting because it shows there's a clear shift in mentality for new car buyers to go electric. But it's gonna be a very tough market for the next few years. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to the show this week. We appreciate it. If you do enjoy the show, please give us a thumbs up. It's good for the algorithm. It's free to do. It takes a second, and it helps the show a lot more than you can think. Same goes for reviews on your podcast app. If you can give us a five-star reviews, um, it, it helps a lot. That, too. And we're going to see you same place, same time next week. Be safe out there.